on my own? Can you hear me? Am I coming through? Sounds like it's all in my head always when I'm up here. So, Good evening, family. It is good to see you. It's wonderful. If you are uh, watching via the internet or television, good evening, welcome. I am your brother in Christ, Michael Murray. Um, and before we dive into it, before we get into God's Word, let's go ahead and uh, make our uh, confession from Isaiah chapter 50. If you'll rise with me, please. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Let's dive into it. Father God, I thank you so much for another opportunity to come and, and spend some time with your people, with your bride. And I pray, Father God, just let this be a time. I pray that you would use me, use the word that you've laid on my heart to invigorate, to exhort me and my family, your bride, to set us ablaze, to seek you, to commune with you, to know you, and to share you with the lost. They need you. That's the purpose of this, that we might be equipped and encouraged and set ablaze to share you. Please use me to do that this evening. Have your way in this place, Holy Spirit. I thank you for inhabiting our praises. I mean, this is a great time of acoustic worship. And you promised that you inhabit the praises of your people. So we thank you in advance. Have your way in this place. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I am always blown away when I'm given the opportunity to... Uh, to come and share with you all. And I always really take analysis of where I am and why do we do this? You know, and I ask myself if the first century church, those who were so set ablaze with zeal and love for God, if they saw us today, would they recognize what we call church? Because my question, and, and this, isn't, this isn't an attack on anyone, this is real analysis, self-analysis. And an analysis of what I am, this is the other than, no, nah, more important than the relationship I have with my family. They are a part of this family, and this supersedes everything. And I ask myself, why do we do this? And the answer always comes back to exhort, to encourage one another. If we walk away from a time of being together and service and, and what have you, and we're not set ablaze and, and our hearts are not broken for the lost, why do we do it? Why do we do it? So I ask us to keep that question reverberating in the, the back of our minds, in the depths of our hearts. Why do I do this? 
And I think the answer is to know God. That's number one. Individually. To know Him. And then to make Him known. Those times when the the Spirit moves on you and you're in line at the grocery store. And it says, go tell Him. I love Him. Go tell Him my son died for you. We never know the dams that can be broken. The walls that will tumble if we will open our mouths and share Him. But to do so, we got to know Him. That first century church knew Him so much that the majority of them were sacrificed. And they did so willingly because they knew Him. There was an intimacy there. So I hope tonight's message, uh, that was all heavy and stuff. I hope that uh, tonight's message will encourage us, give us some tips. I'm all about practicality. You'll notice, you know, when God gives me the opportunity to speak, um, I really look for the practicality. I don't want it to just be ethereal concepts or knowledge. How do we make this real in life? I hope you'll be able to pick that out as I share this evening. Um, You got the uh, topic Um, The question of tonight I want to ask is, where's your tent? Where's your tent? Pretty sure we've all gone camping at some point. You know, I'm going to be honest. I don't know how people survive before air conditioning. I really like air conditioning, so I'm not all about the tents. But the question is, where is your tent? C.S. Lewis stated, or and this is a summation of something he stated. He stated that every choice that we make, makes us either a more heavenly or hellish creature. And I submit to you that there are two choices that we make that we can almost guarantee is going to make us a more heavenly creature. The first choice is to stop being a rebel, repent, and and give our lives to Jesus Christ. But from that point, when we make the choice to fully surrender to Him, to truly and purposely consecrate ourselves to God. And we're on the path to not only guaranteeing that we are a more heavenly creature, but we're on the path to making sure that we are prepared to help someone else take that first step of stopping the whole rebellion, repenting, and beginning a walk with Jesus Christ. It's real good, right? I want us to keep in mind, and I'm sure we know it, the world bombards us with, advice and what the world would call knowledge you know we get it from you know family from friends from co-workers um, from news outlets and most aggressively these days from social media it's, it's wild that even in the church we we got people taking stuff ideas and advice more seriously from social media than we take what we read in our morning devotion. So I, I, think it's, I think it's important that we come to the place to know the importance of seeking God and purposely setting ourselves apart to Him and for Him. Take a look at Exodus uh, 33, 7 through 9 with me. <clears throat> I'm reading from the, King James Ver- uh, the New King James Version. I don't... No, it's that uh, help or hinder. Um, 33 verse 7, it says, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp. 
far from the camp and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was, whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, that all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass, when Moses entered the tabernacle, that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. I'm going to say that again. I don't know if we got that one. And the Lord, Yahweh, talked with Moses, a man like you and me. Ladies, I'm mankind, you get what I'm saying. The Lord talked with Moses. And if you'll notice something, when Moses would go out to the tent of meeting, he, said, he pitched his tent. He set his tent outside the camp, outside the masses, outside all the people. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not preaching some separatist message of, oh, you just get away from everybody and just... I'm saying he purposely went out to do what? To meet with God. He took purposeful steps to separate himself, to meet with God. That wasn't so that he could run away because when he went back, he was a more effective leader. Because let me read it again. I don't know if we got it. Let me read it again. The Lord talked with Moses. Wow. So I think that there's something to be said for being obedient. Purposely setting ourselves apart. So that we have that intimate, alone time with God. I think it's very important that we have that time with our spouses. We have that time of prayer. We have that time with our families. We are, it's important to be dedicated to having that as a family unit. It is important to come together as a body of believers and have that corporate p- prayer. But each one of those Venues will be far more affected on a positive level when the individuals involved in those sit their tents outside the camp purposely. Does it make sense to you? I don't want to lose anybody. So this first section is all about the two tents. So we talked about this is a literal tent that Moses set outside the camp. And if you'll notice, as he went out to the camp, All the people did what? They stood at the the doors of their tent and they watched as he went out to meet with God. Once again, as we begin to diligently do that, purposely seek God, separate ourselves from the noise of the world, the news outlets, the, 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 the advice from friends and family, the advice from social media, People will notice there's something different going on with Randy. There's something different going on with Larry. Check out 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5 with me. So that first hint we talked about, 
was that physical tent that Moses moved outside the camp. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5 states, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our, habita- with our habitation which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality, what we call life, this body, this, this life that we deem to be life, may be swallowed up by life, by true life. So Moses had that tent, and, and I'm not surprised. The Holy Spirit inspired um, Paul here to compare these bodies, these vessels of clay that God has chosen to impart His Holy Spirit into. That always blows my mind, that these frail vessels, the older I get, the more I'm realizing how frail these bodies are. That He would, the God who created all would pour His Spirit into Give us the invitation to be his home, these tents. And, you know, Paul, who could have been, and I want everybody to keep this in mind, a lot of times we talk about Paul being a tent maker. Everybody is aware of that, right? We talk about the fact that he was a tent maker. We lose sight of the fact that he didn't have to be. He was Pharisee among Pharisees. He could have been wealthy, one of the wealthiest individuals in all of Israel, but he chose to be a tent maker. And I think God allowed that to give him a a pretty good analogy for this life, these lives that we live, these bodies that we are in, these vessels of clay. And if you see here, he wants these, this, what we think we have as life to be swallowed up in true life. And check out verse 5. It says, Now he who has prepared for us this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. I feel that God is calling us to purposely set our tent outside the camp. But we do not have to be alone in this. God has given us the guarantee, given us His Holy Spirit as a guarantee of the capability that we have and the promise of true life. Does that make sense to you? So if we are being asked to set our tents outside the camp, what does that look like? What does that mean? And I think the greatest example that we have is the understanding of purposely consecrating ourselves to God. Because when Moses would go outside the camp, that was the whole purpose. The pillar of the cloud would come and meet, God would come and meet with him, and he would do what? Talk to Moses. Mind blown. Here's the crazy part. He doesn't just want to talk with us. He wants to reside within us. Can we grasp that? 
how huge is that? So if, we, if, if, if that's the case, if, the, if we are to be vessels, if we are to be the home of the living God, I think it would be important for us to take some steps to set our tents outside the camp, to consecrate ourselves to God. Check out 2 Corinthians 6, 15 through 18 with me. 2 Corinthians 6, 15 through 18. It says, In what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you, and I will be a father to you. When I'm at work, there are often times I, I watch it and I see it. And like We'll have a certain group, um, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and when I'm given the opportunity to speak with them, I, I'm, I make sure to take note of who's in the, the room, who's there. And I look to encourage them when I see them out and about in the 3,100 plus kids we have. But I watch and I see, and it's, and it's heartbreaking. It is difficult for them. Because literally in that room, there's probably between 25 to 30 kids who have come on a dedicated basis. And just out of 3,000, and I do my absolute best to try to set them ablaze. I'm like, these 30 people right here, if we are dedicated to praying for this school, God can sweep through here and save every soul. And then he can do above that. He can save their families as an extension of them and his love for them. I try to set them ablaze, but I watch it as difficult for them. It's difficult to set your tent outside the camp when 3,000 plus pulse around you. You guys, you can't even imagine. It's like a small city when a, the bell rings and there's a class change. I just watch it as I'm looking for those on their cell phones and dress code violations and all that stuff. But I just watch and I pray over them as they walk through the halls. But it's difficult for those 30 kids to say, you know what? I'm going to step away. You know, it's difficult for me. You know, I fall asleep to usually the television is on, you know, and I'll, you know, put on uh, The Mentalist is a, a series I really like. Got that on DVD. Just play something. I really, I, I don't even watch it. I fall asleep to it. But it's just the Holy Spirit has hit me. It's like, hey, why don't you put in the discs that you have that have the Bible and just fall asleep to my word. Let that saturate your mind while you sleep. But it's so much easier. It just puts the mentalist on. And so that's a fight that I have. And I'm, I'm, I'm being real and I'm being honest with you. But I think that that's, for me personally, that's, I, that's a step that I feel I can take to set my tent outside the camp. I've watched the mentalist probably series twice. There is nothing that I'm going to ever get from that that is going to benefit eternity. 
Nothing. It is an entertainment piece for me right now. So what? But if I saturate myself with the Word of God, like we say in our um, confession, I might just have something that seeps down into my spirit, sticks in this gray matter here, that a word that I can speak to someone, someone who begins to speak about their situation when I'm at work, and I'm like, hey, you know what? I don't know how I got in because I fell asleep listening to it. But God says that you can cast those cares upon him because he cares for you. Think about that. And walk away and trust that God's word is going to perform what it was sent forth to do. If I will but set my tent outside the camp. So we want to be consecrated. God's promising here that he's, he's, this is a command. This is not a, um, when you see a therefore, it's there for a reason. Uh, I think somebody said that. that I think that's hilarious. Um, it's a play on words. If it's therefore, it's there for a reason. Come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. That's not a suggestion. That's not a, hey, try this. This is a command. So it is upon me to switch up from the mentalist to God's word as I fall asleep so that I can set my tent up outside the camp so that there will be something different about me that the world can see that they might be helped, that they might be saved because he can save. Does it make sense? And so here's my question. Why does he say, come out from among them and be separate and do not touch the unclean thing. Is this to be burdensome? Last time I spoke with us, I think, or maybe the time before, I spoke about the yokes, you know. Um, a yoke is, was for a team of oxen, too. And Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. He's saying, I'm up under here with you. Does he say, come out from among them to be burdensome? No. To take away your fun from the things of the world? No. Here's the reason. It goes back to the verse above. It says, I will dwell in them and walk among them. He wants to dwell with us, to commune with us. And so many times I think we put God in the boxes that we can only conceive. He is so far above everything that we could possibly know. There is no knowledge on this earth, no knowledge to be known that is better than him. He says, I want to commune with you. I have a friend of mine who's constantly testing me, and I'm, I'm, I'm in the process of writing him a handwritten letter. I said, man, I'm writing you a handwritten letter. I've spent many a day, many an hour doing my absolute best to give him the exegesis of the, the Scripture and the understanding because my life blows him away. There's so many situations he's seen. He's like, you should have been consumed by now. I said, yep, I'm pretty sure of it. But he keeps, his favor is a shield for me. And I'm handwriting him, but he's constantly telling me, well, what about aliens? I said, if they exist, God created them. He says, but what about, what if there's life on other planets? Then God created it. But I tell you, here's the most amazing thing, that God who created everything you could possibly throw at me, he wants to come and live inside you, man. He wants to come and dwell with you that you might know peace, that you might know hope, that you might know joy. Because those things are found in him. I didn't mean to get all into that. I just 
totally off. Let's get back on track. So the, the, we got the two tents. Moses set his physical tent. Paul details the fact that these bodies, these lives that God has given us are tents. They are vessels that God wants to pour his Holy Spirit in. And he's calling for us to be consecrated. Why does he do it? He does it because he wants to commune with us. He wants to dwell with us. Check out Matthew 6, 6 with me. Matthew 6, 6 says, But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. One of the best ways that we can consecrate ourselves or set our tents outside the camp is to have that personal time. If you'll really read through the Gospels and and those disciples' accounts of what it was like as they walked with Jesus, one of the consistent things that you hear, what did Jesus do? He stepped away from everything. He stole away. He went into the wilderness. That just means woods for those of you who are as country as I am. He just, he just got off by himself into the woods, and he spent that time alone. He set his tent outside the camp. And then when he came back, demons ran. When he came back, sickness was healed. And if you'll read it, he healed, and he healed every sickness, all those who came to him. These events, I think, in a lot of times, were fascinated by the healings. We're fascinated by the, the walking on the water. We're fascinated by all of these things. But he was our example. And he set his tent outside the camp. There were times where he purposely sought intimate time with God alone. And sure enough, he came back to teach. He came back to, to guide. I'm sure he laughed and and had relationship with the disciples, there were many times, though, where he got alone with his Father that he might hear from heaven because he came back and said, I only speak what my Father says. When were those times where he got what his Father said? Those times that he stole away to be alone, set his tent outside the camp to spend that intimate time with God. Is it connecting for you? This is really clear in my head, like, as, as God was laying it on me, like, this has been about a three-week per- process. When you guys see me sitting here and I start typing stuff, I'm not texting, guys. Believe me. Something's hitting me, and I'm writing it. If I'm driving, I've got my note, my voice note. i got to say it. I don't want to lose it because it, it, it's connecting, and it makes sense to me. So what is the result if we purposely consecrate ourselves. What is the result? Check out Joshua 3.5 with me. Joshua 3.5 states, And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves. Another word for sanctify, if you look in other versions, is consecrate. The meaning of sanctify or consecrate is to set apart. Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. 
what are those wonders? You've got the, the deliverance, the healing, the provision, the position. All of these things in a lot of ways that, especially in the Western church today, we do a lot of seeking those things. And we lose sight of the fact that what is most important and what's most amazing and most beautiful is that we have the invitation. I'm sorry, it's not an invitation. We talked about that. We have the command to consecrate and set ourselves apart. And in that consecration, we have the God of, of everything that is known who wants to commune with us. We have the opportunity to seek His face by the spirit of adoption. He's given us the right to call Him Abba, which is the intimate Hebrew word for Papa. That's what my kids call me. Emmanuel and Selah call me Papa, and I love hearing it. We have the invitation to do that, to crawl up in God's lap, to commune with Him. And like Moses, the Lord yearns to talk with us. It's mind-blowing. Joshua 3, 5 points out that if we choose to set our tents outside the camp, to sanctify, to consecrate ourselves, the Lord will do wonders among us. Does your family, do you individually, do your co-workers, do the people around you need wonders? If that's the case, then they need God. And you have God. So why don't we share Him? So where should our tents be? That's the question uh, I want to ask. Where should our tents be? Check out Galatians 2.20 with me. Yeah. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The answer here is that our tents should be found in Christ Jesus. Um, as I was doing the study for this, and that answer hit me, okay, where should our tents be if Moses set his tent outside the camp? What's the equivalent of that in the new covenant? And it hit me. We are to be in Christ. And I encourage us all individually, do a real study, because there are, as you read the different scriptures, it gives you, it's like a painting. You use different brush strokes with different colors to bring the painting to life. And I was like, there's no way I could put these scriptures in there. We'll be here all night long. And they'll be looking at me like, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but if you do that, I encourage you, um, do a thesaurus, um, a concordant search of in Christ. And just go through and take away the little tidbits of what it means to be, what the benefits of being in Christ are. Check out John 15, 5 with me. John 15, 5 states, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do 
nothing. So the New Testament equivalent of setting your tent outside the camp is to purposely consecrate yourself. It took some work for Moses to get out there and get those tent pegs out there and get the tents set up. And you saw the image that uh, 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 Sister Teresa, amazing, she always blows my mind. Um, that tent, it looked like some work to put that up. It took him some work to purposely set it outside the camp. It's going to take some work to make some decisions. You press into God, hey, I want to purposely consecrate myself to you. I don't know exactly how to do it. For my life, what would you have me do? What does that look like? I want to be in Christ. I want to abide in Christ because I can do nothing if I do not abide in you. And your word says that I will bear much fruit if I abide in you. And that fruit looks like my family coming to know you. That fruit looks like my co-workers coming to know you. That fruit looks like joy, peace in my home. I want to bear much fruit. I need to be in you. Show me how I can consecrate myself to you. There are some general things that, that we can do, but there are some specific things for your particular life. So ask Him. Because the new, the new covenant equivalent of setting your tent outside the camp is to be found in Christ Jesus. Check out Colossians chapter 3, 3 through 4 with me. says, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Our life is hidden in Christ. I'm going to say this. Jesus is the New Testament version of of the ark. See if, see if this makes sense to you. If not, after church, you come to me. Those who were to be saved in the flood went in. Who shut the door? Do we, do we recall who shut the door of the ark? God shut the door. And if God has given us that promise that if we will die to self, we lay down the old man, and we are risen to new life in Christ. We come into Christ and our life is hidden in Christ. He shuts the door. That's where we will find safety and security. I'm hearing a lot. And it's not just messages that I hear here. Messages that I hear whenever I look for a message. It's almost always mentioned that, hey, these are the last days. I don't know. I don't know. But I tell you this, that in those last days will come perilous times, as God's word promises. And if we are in Christ, if our tents are outside the camp, hidden in Christ, that's where we will find safety, security, peace, even in the midst of perilous times. So I want to leave us with this. Let us not miss the most important benefit of setting our tents outside the camp. Or, if we want to use the 
New Testament equivalent, being found in Christ, is that the Lord talked to Moses. And the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. This was the intimacy that our brothers and sisters in the first church, our brothers and sisters in China, our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan right now, were willing to die for because their tents were holy. There was nothing else to cling to. There was no tank full of gas, no refrigerator full of food. Nothing that they could cling to in this earth, but they knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was the truth. That Jesus had the words of life. Where else will we go? Can we come to know Him like that in all the comfort that we know today? Can I come to know Him? Can I consecrate myself, let go of the things of the world so that I can set my tent outside the camp so that when I come back in the camp, they will say, that guy's been hanging out with Jesus. We can only give people what we have. That's it. We cannot give people something we do not have. And if we do not have intimacy with God, if we do not know God in that sense that He desires to, and we interact in that way in which He speaks to us face to face, like a man speaks with his friend, we cannot give that to someone who, who's lost, broken, and hurting. We cannot. So will we purposely take steps to set our tents outside the camp to consecrate ourselves that we might know Him more, that we might know Him deeper so that we can share Him? I want to thank you. Um, as we pray tonight, I want, to, I want to give a specific prayer. I don't know if you guys know, took an opportunity to... Uh, talk with uh, Elsie and um, and Tatum. I only spoke with them one time. And I'm going to I'm going to accept responsibility for the fact that I've got to be more purposeful about talking with my brothers and sisters. You never know When's the last time? So I want us to really, I want you to, as we pray right now, when I begin to pray for that family, I want you to really see yourself with me. As we lift our hands, we, we put Elsie in God's lap. I want you to visualize that, you know, so that, that he might know true comfort. That's the only place he's going to get comfort in the midst of this. Will you pray with me?
Father God, I thank you so much for your body, for your bride. I thank you for encouraging me, encouraging us to take purposeful steps, to set our tents outside the camp so that we can come back into the camp and really share you. Help us to consecrate ourselves to you that the world might know that you live and you have life for them. Father, right now, together, we lift up Elsie to you, Father God. Oh, Abba, we pray that you would hold him. Let him sense right now your peace. Tatum's mother, her family, Father God, you don't waste a single thing that we go through. Use this situation to draw them into right relationship with you, into knowing you, Because peace, peace that passes all understanding only comes from you. Jesus, reveal yourself to them as the Prince of Peace. Holy Spirit, heal and mend their hearts in this time of loss. Give them a testimony in the midst of this that you can use to draw others to you. You're so good to us. We praise you. We worship you. Mm, You are worthy. You are holy. And we thank you. Be with us as we go our way. Use us, cleanse us, use us to draw others into your kingdom. Mm, We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. Good night.